Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive, professionally and personally. Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Habits of Leadership podcast. My name is Dan Hasler and joining me today for a conversation all around learning and leadership is the Director of Dialogic Learning, Mr. Tom Barrett. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Tom. Not only are you um, a colleague, but I'm also really um, pleased to be able to say, you know, you're a, you're a good friend. Oh, thanks, Dan. No, yeah, but um, what our listeners will already have picked up, because they're quite a perceptive bunch, the old mm. Habits of Leadership listening community, mm. is that, like me, you are not from Australia. You mm. are a POM. Indeed. So I'm interested um, uh, as to how you, like me, found your way to these shores. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. And yeah, I mean, it's a story nearly 16, 17 years in the making. And so taught for 10 years as a primary school teacher back in England and mainly taught in Nottinghamshire, but uh, hailed originally from the south coast uh, in Portsmouth. Yep. And uh, about six, seven years ago now, moved to Australia to uh, to start up a small consulting kind of arm of small consulting business I was working for as I moved out of, out of the classroom. And actually, today is the third year anniversary of my own business, mm. Dialogic Learning. So it's been... Congratulations. Oh, Happy birthday. Yeah, nice to be here talking to you. <laughs> No, better way to spend your birthday. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Where's the cake, Dan? Where's the cake? It's coming. All right. So Dialogic Learning, it's an interesting name for a company, and it mm. probably speaks, I guess, to a little bit about the way in which you work and the kind of work that you do. So just mm. for the sake of uh, people listening who aren't aware of Dialogic Learning, what, what is it that you do get up to? Sure. So, I mean, first of all, we all learn through dialogue. And so Dialogic Learning is a description of that, and it's the core technique and strategy in terms of how I help improve capacity with the people that I work with. And I'm always trying to improve collaboration. I do three things. I work directly with individuals, supporting them in coaching, much as you, as, as you guys do. I work in school partnerships and the kind of long form engagement with schools, trying to help improve and build capacity over time. And uh, the third thing I do is to help design new schools. So. Uh, such an, am an amazing amount of investment happening here in Australia, Australia, and also um, New Zealand, and you know within the region, and uh, lots of people looking for what's the contemporary approach to that, and so supporting architects and schools in within that space. So those are the th sort of three areas I'm working in, and and the way I do it is in the business name through through dialogue. Yeah. So you obviously spend a lot of time working with uh, leaders, yeah. and it's certainly you know the nature of your work. I mean, I know a lot of the kind of things you're doing. You spend a lot of time uh, grappling with with change in organisations mm -hmm. and schools. So I, I guess I'm curious to hear a little about a little bit about some of the challenges that you kind of grapple with mm -hmm. um, with with these schools that you're working with. So a lot of the time it's applying a kind of methodology that's about long form habits. And I suppose in many ways, looking at dialogue in and how we can improve small instances of, of dialogue and, and collaboration, but continually persisting and repeating small habits over mm. time. And I think that's one of the interesting areas of our work is that change is an, in aggregate I think is an interesting thing to explore and often it's a, a combination of many, many small changes. Mm. And I think 
one of the things that we can control is the way that we actually approach um, a small kind of dynamic, whether that's a one-to-one session or a kind of a leadership group session or a, a collaborative planning session. And something that I try to help schools to do is to think is to think carefully about their disposition mm. and their approach and be much more intentional about the way that they're about to work. And, yeah, right. and so talk about how we're going to work. And um, one of the one of my favorite ways of thinking about this is to talk about the talking. Mm. And so we're about to launch into a, an hour long meeting, whether that's with teachers or, or a leadership meeting, you know, a weekly a leadership meeting and just spending a short period of time just to just talk about the type of talking that we're going to do. So, mm. so spend some time as a group just intentionally referencing that, today we're going to be concentrating on this type of thinking or this type of work and more often than not that that allows the group to be much more equalized in terms of their approach mm. and also to be much more intentional about the way the way you're actually working yeah i mean meetings are one of those things they seem like a necessary evil in so mm. many organizations and yet it's rare that um people walk out of meetings going oh my god that was awesome you know and and i think it's really interesting to note that um you can really so when you say things like oh we're going to spend some time talking about the talking or we Mm. sometimes say you know we're going to think about our thinking and people kind of roll their eyes going oh come on mate Mm. but i think it actually you can spot almost immediately the groups that actually do that Mm. compared with the groups that don't and you could all you can really quite often see that the quite a distinct difference in the the quality of the outcomes they get from the hour that they've spent as a team or or even yeah. long term as you say the aggregate of these yeah. uh, over a period of 6 12 months well that's the interesting thing about it is actually observable change over a long period of time is always much is is always really fascinating and i think it actually then starts to compound and it becomes um those, those habits extend out into the smallest interactions Mm. and so what i mean by that is that you may well learn some of those really powerful habits uh, in terms of being intentional about your disposition um, establishing a set of protocols or expectations as a group um, understanding and sharing a common language about the way that you're going to work and then everything kind of collapses down as you become much more attuned to that mm. it collapses down and even into the smallest of instances so when you bump into somebody and they say oh can i have a quick chat with you about something mm. you're able still to use those even in small interactions mm. and i think that's the sort of the, the sort of benefit and successes that i'm seeing with the schools that i'm working with who've been able to persistently um, explore and adapt some of their long-term hab- habits around mm. collaboration yeah I mean, talking about change and talking about you know, those uh, efforts to to change the way not only you know we're changing an organisation but change the way the organisation interacts together. I, I'd imagine that um, you would be either directly or indirectly um, addressing issues of psychological safety and yeah. and how do we give and how do we receive feedback. Yeah. I guess I'm I'm really interested in in the way that again, given your company's called Dialogic Learning. What are some of the um, frames or some of the the thinking you put around feedback, both in the giving of feedback yeah. and putting ourselves in a position to actually be in the best place to receive feedback? Yeah, so uh, I suppose what I'm trying to continually do is to create the ideal conditions for, for dialogue. Mm. One of the things about dialogue is that it's very different than discussion. 
And so there has a, a there's a certain nuance to dialogue being an approach that is about creating new ideas mm. rather than breaking down existing ideas. So we might think of discussion with its word root uh, or similar to percussion and mm. concussion. So the idea of breaking. Mm. And so it's much more of an analytical process where we break it down to look at the parts. Mm. We don't necessarily look at creating something new. So dialogue okay. is distinct in yeah. the sense that it it's the idea of passing meaning through each other. Mm. And so until we create something new, so I think it's much closer to a definition of collaboration, which I, with my working definition is to create something together. Mm. And so dialogue is much more closely associated with that. So some of the frames I'm continually working on are how do I create the ideal conditions for great creativity? And so I'm leaning a lot on those things. And I think that there's something about feedback in, in regards to the we're continually in a process of feedback. That dynamic is something as, le as leaders, um, whether you're in a school or otherwise, you're continually in and out of that dynamic. You're either the giver or you're continually receiving feedback in different ways. And so feedback is a continual um, part of a process uh, or a dynamic of dialogue. And so we're always thinking about how can I how can I create the ideal conditions for it? How can I share a language? And to be honest, Dan, it's one of the most important areas that I'm um, working on with schools is do you actually share a common language around these things? Mm. So do we even know, um, do we use the same language? Do we use, we might use the same word, but we might have a different meaning. And mm. so one of the first sort of ports of call for this is actually to begin to say, what's our common language what's our and and actually begin to create that new frame of reference mm. you know so mm. so in terms of um i don't know if best practices mm. is too strong a word but better practice if you're thinking of um a, a group and whether it's an executive team or, yeah. or a project team because yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be on the leadership team to be leading a project mm. of change do you have any protocols or any um methodology in, in creating these new norms that you're speaking about yeah i mean i like the, the 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 use of the word norms i think that's interesting because what we want from a working norm so that might be a new rule that we're establishing mm. is actually that to become normal normalized mm. so we want it to become normal practice so we have a really really clear goal or aim in our mind is that it, all of these potentially new habits that feel a little bit clunky maybe to begin with mm become something that is really internalized, is shared language, and has become normalized practice. Mm. So that's the kind of aim of all of this. It's probably worth working backwards from that. Mm. And that's why I was referencing the idea of if I bump into somebody in the corridor and they're saying, can you give me some feedback on this? Then we both share um, a frame of reference that is really normal. And so I can really quickly switch into that type of thinking. Mm. Um, there's a whole heap of different protocols and meeting expectations and those types of frames that we can use mm. um one of the one of my favorite and i think is one of the simplest ways to start mm. is to just to ask each other what's on your mind mm. i think creating enough time at the beginning of sessions just to check in with each other mm. as a team um invariably i've seen that happen just um, because people need that time without mm. even any structure but when you deliberately ask each other just share for a moment, you know, what's on our mind. We just go around the room and you might be saying, oh, you know, I've got this, um, I've got to check off reports. I know it's report writing season at the moment or just on the back end of it. You know, I've got to read these things through. I'm looking forward to, you know, 
planning something out for the beginning of next term or and you're checking in and you're hearing each other say that these are my pressures yeah these are the things that are on my plate this is what's taking up my mental energy at the minute mm. um by doing so what that means is that we're not um we're not detached from that we're much more connected with each individual mm. we're able to be a little bit more sensitive to that pressure whilst we're working together yep. and all that takes is just one person to be able to say what's on your mind so that's an example of yeah. one of the things we talk about i can imagine that some people are listening to that and going geez but if i ask if i ask that then we're not going to get to anything we need to actually talk about in this yeah. meeting so does that also fit into the idea of a norm where mm. we're sharing but we also have the norm of this is the agenda yeah, and sure. this is the the intention of the meeting how, how do you yeah. square that circle where you've asked somebody what's on your mind mm. but i'm only i'm only asking yeah. you <laughs> you like spend 45 minutes <laughs> yeah. Debriefing about yeah, yeah 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 i mean I, I suppose there's a few things there that it depends on it depends on the length of time so if you're working together for a couple of hours yeah being able to kind of use that first 10 minutes just to check in is really important. So any protocols that we talk about, um, you know, we might share some more in a minute, but any protocols that you're using at the beginning of sessions really depend. They always depend. It's always like, mm. I'm going to use this in, I'm going to be really discerning in my choice here rather I'm just going to continually apply them. Yeah. So time is an important one, isn't there? I think the what's on the agenda though is also a good question, isn't it? Mm. You know, we should be, continually questioning actually yeah. what's the what's the or do we have an agenda the amount of meetings that happen where people are just rocking up mm, and they yeah. genuinely don't know why they're there well sure i mean there is that <laughs> effort isn't there to have agenda-less meetings yeah. but maybe sometimes we need to have more mm. structure mm. um i suppose when you're building from that base you do i mean structure is a good thing and it helps people understand and be prepared mm. um but as you said it depends though right it really yeah. does depend yeah. doesn't yeah. it and so i think it's not is it's not just one rule you know rules them all i mean we have to be really mindful about what's contextually relevant mm. i i think invariably though if giving enough time at the beginning of a session what, so another way of thinking about it done is to think about transition mm. so think about how our students transition from class to class mm. as they move through their day mm. they're older or um, you know primary students moving from one thing to another with the same teacher I think it's really important to think about as we're working as a leadership group, how do you transition into that type of thinking? Mm. How am I, if I'm meant to be facilitating or running the session, helping the people that are joining me do the, their, their best work? Yeah. And so that's a simple After way. After they've just been on duty in the playground where yeah. there's been a mad fight. and Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. how do you help them transition yeah. into that type of thinking? Yeah. So you, you've kind of had this meeting, you know, booked for like the whole of the term. You're mm. building up to it. Maybe it's an element of your AIP that you're working on. You know you've got to kind of get everybody in the room and you've got to do some new thinking. Mm. You've had a bit of a challenge from maybe a school mentor or somebody asking questions. Mm. And you're bringing your school leadership team together to try to develop some new ideas for something. Mm. It's so important for us to kind of tread really carefully there about creating the right conditions. Mm. And so what I would say is that you have to be really intentional about your meeting times. Mm. So be really clear about the type of thinking that you're going to do. So talk about the talking as part of it, but plan for that. And then be really mindful of that transition and not just assume that people are just going to, you know, flick a switch and be able to kind of just sit within that type of work and do their best work. Yeah. And so when you give um, somebody the opportunity to just to say, this is on my mind, this is something that I've been worrying about, this is something that I haven't figured out yet, 
and I'm saying it out loud and I can just sort of park it a little bit mm. and I can share it with you, my peers, then that helps people be able to then access the actual core reason you've come together. Yeah. So being able to kind of create transition time. Yeah. So that's one of the major strategies. However yeah. you do it, yeah. I think it's important that we... Uh, so another little um, kind of phrase I kind of think about is that you start on time, but you start slowly. And so rather than start on time and bang, you're straight into, mm. right, we're here to figure this stuff out. Yep. You actually, you know, make sure you start on time, but give people that opportunity to transition into, yep. the, into a session. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, uh, you, you know that one of my favourite authors is a guy called Michael Bungay. Yeah. Stan, who was actually um, the guest on the previous the Habits of Leadership yeah, the previous podcast. One, yeah. And, um, six. Yeah, and he, he talks about, you know, creating this, whether it's psychological safety, but this sense of tribe. Mm. Um, in a group of people and and talk you know uh, finding out what's on your mind that's one of his that's his favorite question to get yeah, things yeah, going whether yeah, it's yeah. in a coaching session or yeah, I mean, sure. you know what, what's happening so i like the idea that we've now created this transition and and, mm. and people are now feeling okay now i'm ready talk to me a little bit about a couple of your other favorite okay, protocols yeah. and and what i'd say is maybe we'll we'll certainly put a link in the show notes oh, to okay. i know you've got a nice article on medium ab um, about a few of these and put another couple in there but just yeah t maybe two or three or whatever you feel comfortable sure. but yeah um your, your, some of your favorite go-tos yeah so one of the, the so i have a little sort of set of four ideas that i often talk about mm. in terms of protocol so first of all let's just kind of clarify what we mean by our protocol mm. I suppose it's a, um, a working norm, a, a rule or an expectation that the team is going to adopt or, or think carefully about. I, I think expectations, setting expectations are crucial in terms of the way that we work. It's easy not to do them, and it's, um, but they often come back and bite you when things don't go so well. And so it's useful to kind of create that, again, to re in reinvest in that shared language. Mm. And so a protocol is something that you say at the beginning, like, this is the way that we're going to aim to work together. Um, does everybody, is everybody okay with that? And so the idea of um, the what's on your mind is a great kind of check-in for transition. And you're right, um, it is a bit of a coaching opener. Mm. Um, and so that type of team coaching approach is great for any leader here who are facilitating groups. Mm. Um, but some of the other protocols that I use are much more focused on how we're actually working so less of a transition and so four i use uh um inspired some work that i've done with chris hart as well mm. and so i definitely a big shout out to him in terms of some of his thinking and leadership in this type of space um chris hart from unstuck learning if you yeah. were to go googling oh, and, and find googling. him on the google nets yeah a legend yeah. in his yeah. own lifetime absolutely <laughs> good friend of ours we should yeah, say as well yeah, yeah. Good friend yeah. and so <laughs> Developed some of these ideas with alongside Chris many years ago. And so four, I'll give you my kind of four go-tos. Yep. First one, hard on content, soft on people. Mm. What we're saying there is that we're going to be critiquing ideas today. We're not critiquing the people that share those ideas. Mm. One of the biggest challenges that we face as educators is separating ourselves from our work mm. so that we can ask those hard questions to improve it. I think that's when I, I'm, you know, tomorrow I'm in a school here in Sydney working directly with teachers and with a, in, in a collaborative planning session and often planning and programming is hard to separate myself from mm, it so yeah. that I can ask the hard questions. Yes, yeah, because it's my program. It's my program. Yeah. I put, you know, this yeah. is my idea. I put hours into this. Yeah, I look yeah. at it, you know, yeah. I've been, and then maybe this is something that you've thought about for a long time. Yeah. So 
the important thing here is that if you don't set this up as an expectation, then feedback can be misinterpreted. So this is a feedback protocol. Yep. It's right for collaboration. So hard on content, soft on people. Mm. You're also able to talk about safe spaces immediately then. I know ultimately what you're saying is this is a safe space to be able to say, is this the right direction to take this? What mm. more can we do? Can we do something different than we did last time? And to be hard on the content. And content you, you, know, you can define in many different ways. Yeah. whether that's looking at your AIP or whether that's looking at you know your year five program for term three or whatever it is so hard on content soft on people number one number one second is something leaning on Ron Berger's work mm. an ethic of excellence he talks about rules for critique and um, he talks about we need to when we give feedback we should be kind we should be specific and we should be helpful yep. and those three descriptors of quality feedback or critique are also important in terms of working in a collaborative session. Mm. We should be able to be really specific about what we're not sure about. So, so we should be asking for clarifying questions and probing questions. But we should also be kind and helpful and make sure that we're focusing on our putting our relationships first and mm. you know working in a in a in a trusting way with others and keeping yeah. that um, you know using that as a medium with which to deliver really kind of high quality and effective critique. Yeah. So two to do with feedback hard on content soft on people kind specific and helpful and most most teachers that i work with often use that last that last one kind specific and helpful as a way in for their kids to work with yeah so on the other side so imagine a, a little quad we've got those two on the right yep. on the left we've got two that are directly to do with how we actually participate yep. so well, first of all first of all we've got step up and step back and so what, we've, what we're talking about there is not just about taking turns, but it, on a surface level it is. It's about I am trying to be aware of my, the opportunity for me to step away from this conversation so other people can step in, but I'm also taking the responsibility in this session to step up and share my ideas. Mm. Um, I'm not just here to warm a seat, yep. you know, as they say, and I'm here to kind of contribute. It's my, my job. So on a surface level, taking turns. Mm. Much deeper level, this is to do with collective responsibility. Mm. So you're able to talk about that using this protocol. You're able to look around the room and say, look, I'm, you know, we're, I might be leading a session today, but it's our collective job to make sure today is successful. And I think that's a crucial kind of opportunity to get kind of investment from everybody around the table. It doesn't just feel like one person is there who is flying the flag for the success of that session. You're all there mm. to, to get a quality outcome. So step up, step back. Does that, just to interrupt that, does that, does that mean we need to be thinking really carefully about who is in the meeting? Yeah, I mean, that kind of classic Jeff Bezos thing of mm. two pizza meetings, which is all, however many other ways you want to think about, mm. you know, who should be there. And everybody should be able to step up and share. So the two pizzas meeting is no more than... No more than, yeah. Not, an, not more people in the room <laughs> than they could eat two pizzas. Yeah, well, that's so. just me on my own then. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just sitting on a, in a room on my own. Is that yeah. Uber, Uber Eats? Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but thinking about who we've got there, because again, mm. not just having people there for the sake of, because they always have and it's... Yeah, well, that's a kind of classic trope, isn't it? Within, mm. You know, that we have a group that are always meeting. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's other ways, there's other mm. sort of versions of that group that might come together to be a little bit more purposeful. Yeah. 
and uh, uh, and everybody around the in the table knows why they're there. Mm. And so that leads me on to the last one, which is to do. So it's the Chinese symbol Ting for listening. Yeah. And it's better than it's a much deeper representation of the of the process of listening than just the idea of active listening. Mm. And so it's if you look at the actual symbol itself, and hopefully you're scurrying away and googling <laughs> the Chinese symbol <laughs> whilst you're, you're driving. Whilst you, well, don't definitely <laughs> don't do that. But um, <laughs> the different parts of the Chinese symbol represent different elements. So the idea of listening is mm. the top right hand corner, um, which talks about 10 eyes so we listen with 10 eyes mm. and so we can talk about the idea of body language how our expectation during the session is to show each other that we're here and when we're talking we're kind of noticing that and we give off nonverbal cues the bottom right hand corner of the symbol is to do with one heart so there's a symbol that represents that mm. and so how purposeful are we you know are you are you in the right meeting you know yeah sort of thing and so that kind of thing of my membership of this group is right yeah. am i uh, is it am i right to be here yeah. and making sure that's clear to begin with and on the left of the symbol there's an ear symbol and a, and a king so we wrap our ear around the king mm. and it's this idea that as a listener as a as a um as a participant yeah. i have an active role in making sure that your success as a contributor um, is positive, is a positive one. So yeah. I can play a role in that. Yeah. So we treat the speaker like royalty. Nice. We'll, um, we'll definitely get a little link to a, the image mm, yeah, on that and yeah. put that in the show notes because, yeah, 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 that's, that's a great um, meta I don't know if metaphor is the right word, but it's, yeah, it's mm. a great way of th thinking about that. Yeah, I think and most importantly with that one, it gives us the chance to talk about listening on a much deeper level and yeah. it gives us a chance also to talk about something that personally I really um, suffered with as, as a leader. Mm. Um, so I was a deputy principal of a primary school back in England. Mm. It was in the last kind of few years of my career. I've been involved in leadership for, you know, I was thrust into leadership as soon as I almost left university. Yeah. So I've always been around leadership teams. But in those kind of much more significant roles, the idea of being present mm. was something that I've, I didn't have the tools to be able to grapple, you know, figure that out. Yeah, right. So at home, I, you know, with my young family, mm. I was physically there, but not mentally yeah. there. And so I really suffered from that idea of, of not being present. And so that little part of the, the protocol, that idea of Ting, the Chinese symbol, mm. um, it represents active presenteeism for me. Yep. And so what I say to people and what I encourage others to do is to sort of check in and say, look, we're here to be together. Let's try and be as focused as we can. Mm. You know, I've, I've, we've heard maybe about some of the things that are on our minds. Mm. Let's just make sure that we, for this hour, let's just be really actively present with each other. So phones off. Phones off or yep. whatever. I think the, the thing of technology is interesting, isn't mm. it? I mean, my, my, um, my middle ground there is to be able to say, you know, use technology to make, to capture the evidence and yep. the kind of what we do. Yep. Don't let it get in the way of showing people that you're red, you're here yeah. and you're present yep. and you're with them. Um, and that idea of presenteeism is something really interesting. I think it's, I think it's something that I know that we can practice. Mm. So I'm better at it now. Yeah. And I think it's about being intentional to, and being, and making a choice to yep. actually do that. Yep. Um, and it's not going to happen by accident. We have to make choices. Absolutely. And I think that over time, as you continue to make those sort of simple efforts, you know, mm. you can increase the kind of effectiveness of your present, how present you are within those sessions. Yeah. And like I said, that's a good example of actually, you know, when you, I'm sure you've met those people down where you, 
where um, you know you might have bumped into them, but for whatever reason they get they make you feel that you're the only person in the room. Mm. They you know they kind of hone in. Everything seems to kind of the volume of everything else in the world seems to kind of yeah. turn down. Yeah. And I think that that's a good example of us taking these protocols out of a meeting environment mm. to to those really small interactions where we're with our colleagues in in maybe slightly more informal situations, but we have the ability to. St- remain really really focused and that's something i try and do so Mm. uh, you know even if you're kind of talking you know to somebody being able to try to practice being really really present with them and hear them and notice them yeah um such a crucial kind of a role and and capacity as a leader absolutely and uh, but also i love the fact that you made a point there about being at home as well you know many Mm. leaders are parents and many parents are leaders and just in general like this this doesn't this isn't just important in my opinion for how well we can manage our colleagues and work oh, with our yeah. team you know it's probably I'm, I'm going to say it's probably more important how we how we yeah. are present for our for our kids and for our sh- partners and yeah, our family for members sure i mean yeah. it, and it, so it sort of goes way beyond just the realm of education and mm, meetings yeah. and everything doesn't yeah. it you know yeah. it's sort of how can i how can i um, create good habits mm. so that when I'm feeling some of the pinch of a to-do list, yeah. that I'm I have the ability to be able to switch that or dial that down. Mm. Um, I think I, one of the, the other things is I, I take quite a realist approach to it, in the sort of sense that I'm not we're not trying to switch it off. You know, so if you're sitting around a room with a, a group of senior uh, senior leaders or teachers or whoever it is, there's always other things going on. There's yeah, always sure. stuff happening. And I think it's, um, you know, for us to sort of say you unequivocally must only focus on this mm. is just just not realistic. Mm. And so I think a fairly, a much more kind of measured approach to that is to say what's on your mind. So mm. say it out loud. Yep. Okay. But I'm not asking you to dial that all the way back. It's impossible to step away from those things. Some of those things would be really urgent, and really important. Yep. What I'm asking you to do is to try to turn the dial down enough just so that you can give your best efforts here. And I think... There's a there's a middle ground, yeah. so we're not being belligerent and saying you know that's not important. Only this is important. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to uh, finish really by exploring. You know, you, you work in quite an interesting space because you're mm. talking about creating these psychologically uh, good spaces for yeah. learning, but you are actually rapidly becoming like the, the go-to person for architectural spaces so you know companies are asking for your input and schools are coming to you to help guide them around the development of new learning spaces so there's a really interesting blend of the psychology and the and the practical whatever the right word there Mm. is but the actual you know the buildings themselves Mm. i am fascinated by um, how schools are looking to evolve their spaces and i just wondered if you could share just a few of the observations that you've had over the past couple of years as you've, um, you know, really, as I say, when people are thinking of this, you, you, you know, you're working and consulting with lots of different uh, architecture firms and, and school uh, districts on this. What, what are yeah. some of the things you're seeing in the way this is going? It is interesting, isn't it? And we're becoming, I think, as a, just generally as a society, we're becoming much more aware of the impact of our physical environments, mm. you know, and within schools, we are becoming equally. We our, our appetite for for this is in, is growing and growing. Mm. And I think school leaders across the land are figuring out, you know, with um, with very little blueprint to go from, mm. are trying to figure out 
um, exactly what's kind of going on in terms of their spaces. Mm. And so I, I think that one of the challenges is straight away is the link between designers and their schools. Mm. And so what you you potentially have and often what I'm often described as is a bit of a translator between those worlds. Mm. And so you design within design, you might have a lexicon, you might have a language set. And I think it's important that we find ways as educators to be able to very clearly articulate what we value the most in terms of learning mm. It's one of the areas I think that we can do better at. Mm. And it's something that is so important for a design team to be able to very clearly understand that these are the sets of principles that you have around teaching and learning. You may well create a set of ideas that are design principles, but as what's our core business, well, is teaching and learning. So how clearly we articulate the things that we value uh, is something that we, we can do better at. And I know that that's, some, that's something I'm working on with the schools and, um, and some of the design teams that I work with. Mm. I think collaboration generally is the, is, is a, is, there's been a huge push um, and continues to be in terms of you know supporting environments that um, uh, environments that are supportive of a collaborative approach. Yep. So you're starting to see admin spaces break down from um, individual offices to you know much more open admin spaces for school leadership. Um, you're starting to see you know furniture shift to become a little bit more flexible and. Um, creating opportunity. I mean, I, I, I work at one of these schools where they have lots of whiteboard tables and mm. um, it's my, my favourite kind of little tool, actually, that supports my thinking. I can think out loud and, um, you know, whilst we're working on a, on a desktop. And it's a, simple, it's a simple enough idea, but it's these sorts of things that are starting to signal that, um, you know, collaboration is something that is, is we're all trying to figure out and we're trying to do more of. Mm. Um, how you... How you kind of marry that up with safe spaces? Yep. So working in the kind of ideal as you described that, um, how do you create this safe space to be able to collaborate? How do you create the safety for our students to feel that they can step up and share an idea, mm. but also to have a physical environment that allows us to capture those ideas? You know, we're in a room here. That's you know, we look around here and we can see ideas all around us. You know, on your whiteboards and things. And it's being able to often just to externalize some of our thinking. That's yep. one of the simplest kind of routines and habits that you're starting to see in the physical environment a little bit more. Yeah. So if people are interested in the work that you do and maybe want you to get you along to their school yeah. and uh, or, or, you know, work with their community of schools or their department, what's the best way to uh, get hold of you? Yeah, the best way is just to go to my website, dialogiclearning.com. And it's got all the information there about uh, some of the work that I'm doing, some of the projects I'm involved with. But I've also been writing a blog for years. It goes yep. all the way back, yep. you know. Yeah, we'll put a link to that. Yeah, as I yeah, said. there's yeah. a link. So, but that's interesting, having a space where I've been able to share um, for over many years now, um, all the way back. So they were, they were back in the archive when I was a year yeah. five teacher. Yeah, so right. it's all in there. And, and any members of the Twitterati, where, where would oh, they find you? Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that, that old thing. Is that still going? <laughs> the Twitters. <laughs> oh, yeah, so at Tom Barrett, yep. I'm on there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, there's lots of ways people can find me. I'm quite Googleable they say but um yep. it's it, i mean it's been fascinating to kind of establish some some long-term partnerships and that's the that's some you know certainly what i'd like to kind of use some of these sort of places just to share some of these stories about mm. the schools and you know i think that's an interesting 
part of our work, Dan, is that we're Absolutely. working a little bit more long form with schools yeah. and how that feels. It feels very different in terms of, um, you know, the one-off sessions, Absolutely. don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. So being able to kind of focus a little, I'm focusing a little bit more on that type of work. Um, but yeah, dialogiclearning.com and there's plenty of information on there for you. Beautiful. Well, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I'm sure everyone's... Um, got a lot out of that and found it really interesting and if you did find it interesting then please share it with your networks and like and rate it and subscribe of course you can be listening to you can listen to this everywhere let's be honest we are everywhere itunes spotify where <laughs> else can you get this Podbean? we are everywhere but um it's been great chatting with tom um if you have any questions or comments or even suggestions for upcoming guests for habits of leadership or as i said a question perhaps you'd like um, Tim and I to discuss in a, an upcoming Q&A session then head over to the podcast page which is on habitsofleadership.com there you can um, as I say find all different information about us and put your questions in there you can also see more about our Habits of Leadership program but until the next episode thank you very much for listening and take care take it easy